Welcome back to the Unfiltered Healing Podcast. I know it's been a few months since our last episode. We've been doing a bit of rebranding, so we thank you for your patience. And we've got some phenomenal guests coming up in the lineup. Today is definitely one of those fabulous, amazing guests. Now, if you're on social media, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, you've probably been hearing of this lady talking about all of these alternative holistic methods of putting onions on your ears for an ear infection or putting salt in your water. And, you know, this lady has just been blowing up on social media and for good reason. She is such a gem and someone that I truly respect in the alternative health field. And so many people have just been sharing so much of her videos. So God totally set this up for us to be able to do an interview with Barbara O'Neill this past week. And we had so much fun just talking about all of the simple yet powerful things that we need to hear on a consistent basis that help us to heal and help our body's ability to heal. And that's something that she's devoted really her life to. You'll hear a little bit in this podcast episode just about kind of her journey and her story and how she left Australia and now she speaks all over the world. You know, that was just an opportunity that came out of adversity, but now millions of people get to experience her teaching. So I hope it encourages people that You know, she's not some big doctor or something, but her voice is powerful and it's impacting so many people to try and take a hold of their health. So if you haven't jumped on the Barbara O'Neill bandwagon, you don't know who she is. (laughs) Barbara and her husband, Michael, they've been running a retreat center in Australia called Misty Mountain Health for 25 years before they left Australia. And Barbara is trained as a nurse, and after raising six children, she studied naturopathy and nutrition. And for the last three years, she has been traveling the world lecturing on the body's inbuilt ability to heal itself and the requirements to aid the body in this process. So I know you're going to love her. Millions of people already love her teaching because she just brings realness and simplicity to complex subjects. So... You know, we don't get paid for doing these podcasts and there are a lot of work (laughs) to organize these things and put them together. So all that we ask is that you would share this, let somebody know what you heard, what you learned, share it, leave a review for us. And, you know, the only way people get access to this information is through podcasts. And that's why we do this. We do this so people are empowered, people get information that they're probably not hearing otherwise. So utilize it, teach what you know, and we hope you enjoy this episode and just know that you have the power to control how your life plans out, how your health is. Not a doctor, not a person, but you hold that within you. So I hope you enjoy this episode. What do you do to take care of yourself? 
Welcome to the Unfiltered Healing Podcast with Dr. Rachel Hamill. I ain't Dr. Phil. I truly help you heal your mind. Connect with alternative medicine innovators that will challenge and empower you. It has the potential to change your whole life. Create natural balance for both your body and mind. Your health is very important. All while uncovering the truth behind modern medicine. This is crucial. It's raw, it's real, and it's unfiltered. Here's your host, Dr. Rachel. Barbara, it is such an honor to have you on the show today. Welcome to the Unfiltered Healing Podcast. Thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's pretty incredible to see how your teachings and videos have literally taken social media by storm. It seems like everyone in the holistic world who's online is talking about you and for good reason. You know, you have an incredible way of bringing to light different ways the body is made to heal itself through simple natural methods that you personally have also seen work. And you truly are a gift to our generation with so much wisdom and so much experience. It's really just refreshing to bring health back to the basics, which is what we're going to chat about more today. But before we jump into today's topics, for those of you who may not have jumped on the Barbara bandwagon yet, would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? You know, what got you to where you are today, teaching really around the world now? Yes, I never in my wildest dreams thought that this would happen. (laughs) In fact, I still don't think I realized the, the full extent of it because I've never been on TikTok or Instagram myself. But I really started this many years ago. We're probably looking about 1980, where I had two little children and I didn't want to give them drugs. I wanted Mm -hmm. to treat simple things like earaches, colds with natural remedies. And that's really when my quest began. And back then, there were still a few old people that knew about natural remedies. I don't think there are many now, I guess. (laughs) It's hard for me to think of myself of this, but I think I'm one of the elderly now. I've just hit <laughs> 70. And so I feel, like, <laughs> I feel a, a great responsibility to let it be known. And probably the most thrilling thing for me is when people stop me in the street and say, are you Barbara O'Neill? You saved my life. <laughs> that is so nice. And I know what they mean. They heard the information, they implemented it, and it certainly is the body that is the one with the inbuilt ability to heal itself. And I also think the last three years have been a challenge to people, and I think that's also triggered people into looking at some alternatives. Yeah. So you didn't necessarily grow up with a knowledge of all of these natural remedies. Is that right? No. I grew up in the averaged Aussie home that when you got sick, you went to the doctor, he gave you a tablet and you got better. But I guess what we're realizing now, even if I hadn't taken the tablet, I would have got better. And I find that that's the biggest hurdle that with most people is to take control of their health because from young children, we're trained to give our health to doctor Mm -hmm. and he'll give a tablet and you'll be well. And a lot of people are starting to see that that's not working. And so now many have gone to naturopath and want to place their health in naturopath's hands. But what I teach is, no, no, no. God 
gave us the authorship of our own body. We are the ones that choose what we do, and that choice should be made according to information. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how did it lead to, because in Australia, when you were still there, and you said, you know, you were just searching for natural remedies for your children as a mom, how did it then develop into the, you know, retreat center that you had there and being like a source of information or a place for people to come? What's kind of like the evolvement of how that came into play? Yeah, there's quite a large step <laughs> from that to yeah. what is happening now. Yeah. Well, where I really started teaching was I, my friends would say, what are you doing, Barbara? You're not going to the doctor. Your children are wrapped up in poultices and things. And I would tell them. But when a crisis arises, they just go to the doctor. And I thought, I know what I can do. And I really believe that God impressed me to do this, to start meetings, to mm -hmm. illustrate how to do the simple natural treatments. And I think my first meeting was in 1992. Mm -hmm. And about that time, my first husband, he was heavily into drugs and alcohol and the children and I had to leave home. And I was a single mum for four years. And my mm -hmm. daughter began to work in a lifestyle center in, in Australia. So I moved up into the area. And a year later, the business manager asked me to marry him, which I agreed to because I'd known Michael for a while. And I very much liked Michael. Anyway, a year after we were married, Michael said, I want to start my own health retreat. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of children and they could cook and massage and garden. So there were our team. I said, who will be the health director? He said, you. I said, no, I'm just a mother. I just help other mothers. And he yeah. said, you'll be good. And he walked out of the room. Well, so that's how I became the reluctant health director. <laughs> Because I'm quite shy, but my love mm. to want to work for God, my love to want to help others, it overshadowed my shyness. And little by little, God was very good to me because the first program, there was only one guest. I could handle that. <laughs> and then little by little, more came, and I discovered that the best way to learn is to teach. So that was probably where we married 1997, so we're probably looking at 1998. And I think it was probably about 2006, something like that, that we started to film my lectures because I was learning more and more and more and more. And the yeah. guests wanted to be able to take the lectures home with them. Anyway, one of the film sessions, because we do it every three years, and I think this one happened in 2011, the guy that filmed it, he asked if he could put it up on his YouTube channel, which we agree, and that's really when it started to go worldwide. But this recent phenomenon, I don't know what happened there. People say, thank you so much for putting it up on Instagram. I said, I didn't. <laughs> I don't know who puts it up there. I think people see it, like it, and share it. That's all I can think that happens because I can't explain it any other way. And other than I know that God's desire above all things is that we each have health and prosper. Yeah. And, you know, I think that he's the one that certainly opened the doors. So Australia closed their doors to me, but that very closing of the doors to me in Australia really catapulted me overseas. Yeah. And 
now when you were, you know, kind of thrown into the midst of this and things started to develop and grow, was it mostly just before the videos and whatnot? Was it mostly just locally Australian people that would come to your retreats or were there people yes. that were coming from other locations? No, it was mostly Australia, but when the lectures went on YouTube, that's when people started coming from overseas. So in 2018, probably a quarter of our guests, sometimes a third of our guests, were from overseas. But when the country was shut down, that, of course, ceased all that. Yeah. And <laughs> how did your children respond to, like, growing up in that environment or... You know, do they say things to you now as far as what has happened? And how was that like raising all of those children and doing a health center? I guess by the time Michael and I married and we started the health center, I think half of my children were working. Well, actually, the two eldest were working, but the 17-year-old was our massage therapist. The 15-year-old was our cook. She's always loved cooking. And the boys were the gardeners. But as, of course, time went on, they eased off and started to work away and got married, as they do. And, you know, it was sort of just a slow progression of little by little, some going, and then we would employ more staff. But today, most of the children are married and raising their own children. Michael and I have 23 grandchildren, so that wow. gives an indication of what the children are doing today. You have an army. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have the O'Neill army. I, yeah, but I also know that when I look at my children and their children, if they get sick, they just do everything that they were brought up with. It's sort of like second nature to them. Yeah, that's how it should be, really, mm -hmm. learning and implementing those things. It's so beautiful and so great to hear families that are doing that because I think there's more and more that are wanting to do that. They just don't know how. And so I think you just paid the way. That's true. Like, oh, that's possible. And there's ways to do that. Now, your teachings and your center was so successful that you definitely got <laughs> the attention of the Australian government. Now, when all of that was happening, what was kind of going through your mind at that time? You know, I know that you're a woman of faith, so we know that truth comes with persecution. But did you feel like warned or prepared at all, like something like that was going to happen or what was kind of going on at that time? No, it was a real surprise. In fact, when the Healthcare Complaints Commission contacted me and said there's been some official complaints, when we looked at the complaints, we actually laughed because they were so ridiculous. And we mm -hmm. thought, surely they won't even look at this, you know. One complaint was that I suggest if a mother can't breastfeed to give her baby goat's milk. Now, mm -hmm. babies have been raised on goat's milk for centuries, so we thought surely this will go nowhere. So what was the surprise is that it did. Mm -hmm. And when we realised, you know, how it all went, we realised it was really a political move because my husband has a political party called mm -hmm. the Informed Medical Options Party and we think that they took me down to get at him. <laughs> and wow. it seems crazy that it could come to that. But as our lawyer said to me after I'd been through the tribunal, she said, I can't believe it. She said, they've got nothing on you. And my husband said, well, does that mean they'll lift the ban? Because when you're under investigation, you're basically banned. Right. 
Marie said, no, no, she'll get a life ban, but she won't go to jail because if she was guilty, she'd go to jail. That's unbelievable. That's the injustice of it. So when I did finally get the verdict that I had a life ban on me and I was forbidden to give any advice, I was forbidden to speak on health or 10 years in prison and a $10,000 fine. (laughs) How can that be? I did mourn the loss because all I've ever wanted to do was to help people. Right. But, you know, after about 10 minutes of having a bit of a cry, I thought, okay, I wonder what God's got in store for me now because I know that anything that happens, God has allowed it to happen. And so it was 2021. Well, first of all, Michael said to me, you've got a choice, Barbara. You can retire because you are retiring age or you can go overseas. And I said, well, I feel so good. I've got more information in my brain and experience than I've ever had. So I I feel it would be wrong to stop now. So Mm -hmm. I'll go overseas. So 2021, I was away nine months. 2022, I was away seven months. This year, I'll be away nine months. But in 2021, a lady said something to me and my light bulb in my brain went off. You know, it was a light bulb moment. She said she was in Germany. And I was speaking at a conference. She said, Barbara, I'm sorry to say this, but we are so glad you were banned because it has freed you to come over here. Yeah. And when I heard the word freedom, I thought, the ban has freed me. <laughs> I really was tied to Misty. I could never go away for more than a week because I had to be there for the health center. So I can now see why God allowed this to happen. He allowed it to happen so people would come to our retreat, not for me, but for the experience and the information. And also it has really allowed the information to go worldwide to the point that Michael said to me, I'm thinking of writing to the Healthcare Complaints Commission and thanking them. (laughs) Because it's really been instrumental in getting the information out in a way we would never have believed it. Yeah, it brings to mind that verse, you know, the Lord sets you a table in the presence of your enemies. So it's like, Mm. you don't really know what's happening in that moment. But the Lord is like divinely setting something up to to set them up, really. And yeah, you know, sometimes it can be like that. And you're not alone. I mean, there's been like, I'm sure you've heard myriads of different doctors, health practitioners in the U.S. too, that have been, you know, banned and discredited and their licenses stripped and all of these things as well. But you've continued to forge a way for the truth. And we are grateful for that because now we're chatting and it is the availability to do that. You know, we know that you are just a endless well of information, but what are some of kind of your favorite topics to teach on? Because I know you have like so many videos out there. What are some of your favorite topics that just light you up? It's hard to choose them, but I probably, I love speaking on women's health because there are so many women that are struggling and I know the answer. I know how to free them. And I love it when Jesus said, you know, one of his first things he read, he came to set the captives free, to open the eyes of the blind. And I think it's a privilege to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And this has come in ways that, you know, it's hard to imagine. And as I spoke this morning, I said in the seminar I'm given, I said, the Anna's Wild Yam Cream is a cream that can free women, women, 
but a certain person on the internet has spoken about it so much that it says there's a worldwide shortage of it at the moment <laughs> and everyone laughed. But it's just an indication of how many people are struggling with this issue. So women's yeah. health and certainly children's health, because if we can get the children healthy, that's tomorrow's leaders, and gut health. I love gut health. In fact, yesterday I spent three hours taking the students through the gastrointestinal tract, starting at the mouth and ending at the other end, and that is a fascinating journey. And when that's working well, we get our nutrients, and when we get our nutrients, our cells run better. Yes. It's not just what you eat, but how well are you digesting what you eat? Super important. That's right. That's yeah, right. super important. Yeah. I have a similar mission. I see all ages, but women's health, children, it's huge. And there's so many it that is. are just desperate. They've gone through all the ropes of everything and they're desperate for that stuff. So I'm not surprised that you're back ordered for like months. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's an epidemic and some things that God's called me to do as well. But you know, among some of those topics, one of the topics that you also teach about is the eight laws of health, which is not just women, it's generalized for all of the population. And, you know, I'd love to talk about all those other topics as well, but we don't have tons of time today. So in the time that we do have, if you could dig in a little bit to, you know, these real basic principles, but they're very powerful principles that can help open up many different facets for many people. You know, many people are looking for the next big thing in healthcare. And really, it's back to the basics that really gets us free. That's right. That's right. If everyone's looking for a wonder cure, and that's the way we've been trained, there is really only one wonder cure, and that's the human body mm-hmm. when it's given the right conditions. And those basic laws are basic other conditions. They're the conditioned, and I recently was encouraged to put my own acronym on it, which my romantic daughter Jessica and I brainstormed one afternoon, and we came up with Sustain Me, because acronyms help you to remember it. So the first S is sunshine, and the sunshine's not the enemy in the sky. In fact, the sunshine is the doctor in the sky. We just got to not overdo it. And, you know, vitamin D, that's how we get our vitamin D. And there are 2,500 receptor sites on the DNA for vitamin D. In other words, every single cell in the body needs that one. And it's how we get our minerals into our cells is the vitamin D. So the sunshine and also our brain needs sunshine and it gets through our eyes. So, you know, there's a whole area there that the you in sustain me is use of water. And the reason I've used use of water because there's a time to drink water and there's a time not to drink water. And the time not to, of course, is not to water down your hydrochloric acid when you're eating. Please sit to the table well hydrated. So little by little, just like God sends the rain, he sends it little by little. So please, no tornadoes going into the body like 16 ounces all at once. (laughs) Not long then till 16 ounces has to come out. So little by little by little. And one of the things that's really gone berserk. And I've used that one a lot because people (laughs) think that like it's filling. So they drink water so they don't have to eat as much food. And I'm like, no, you're doing it all wrong. So that's, that's a big one as well. Yeah, that is true. But 
to get the water into the cell, we need to have that little bit of Celtic salt. And apparently a certain person is talking about that to the point there's a worldwide shortage on that too. And I think it's become popular because it's such a cute little thing you can do, a little crystal of salt before each glass of water. But going to the cellular level, those three magnesiums in the Celtic salt pull the water inside the cell, which is such a effective way to help hydrate the body. And use of water also means outside, of course, wash the body every day and use the yes. cold shower at the end of your hot to boost your immune system. Can we go back for a moment about the hydration portion? Talk a little bit about how if you don't have the minerals and you don't have the structure of the water, how people can still be dehydrated. Well, the comment I made 16 ounces in, soon there's going to be 16 ounces come out and the cells couldn't access that water. Mm -hmm. And it's like when you water a dry plant, it all runs out the bottom. The way to do it is little by little as God sends the rain. But our cells are bathed in a fluid and that fluid is actually seawater. Babies swim in seawater. So the minerals are very important because the minerals help to get the liquid inside the cell so and so we should be deficient in minerals oh yeah and one of the reasons they're deficient in minerals is because a lot of foods are deficient now and mm -hmm. his fascinating book the calcium lie dr robert thompson he shows that 50 years ago there was twice as many minerals in the soil as there are today that's why organic food is important mm -hmm. and the celtic salt of course that helps to up your minerals Minerals literally glues us together, so the minerals are vital. Many people today are suffering from osteoporosis. Bones are breaking down because of lack of minerals, but it's not just lack of minerals in the diet, it's taking stimulants that leach the minerals. So there's mm -hmm. your caffeines, your refined sugars, your alcohols, many drugs, many drugs. So they. You've got a bunch of dopamine fiends. Oh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> On yeah, the yeah, caffeine. yeah. So there's a way to drink and there's a way not to drink. That's why I use the term use of water. The third one is sleep. Now, there's an epidemic of insomnia, that's for sure. Wow. And insomnia wasn't a big issue until technology became big. People are turning night into day. And that really disrupts the circadian rhythm. So your circadian rhythm is the rhythm that your brain runs at. And Dr. Neil Medley, he found that 80% of his depressed patients, their circadian rhythm was out. And he found something very interesting, that when our eyes experience the first hour of light in a day, that resets the circadian rhythm. That's why the only way you can get the first hour of light in a day is to go to bed early. <laughs> and to get to bed early, the technology has to be switched off. So, you know, it's going back. Today, we've got to prepare for tomorrow. Today, we've got to eat most of our food, breakfast and lunch because it's very hard to sleep when you've got a stomach that's got a huge amount of food in it. So it's sort of going back, back, back and preparing. Yeah, I think most people eat a lot of food at night, you know. Yeah. They're too busy yeah, in the yeah. morning. That's right. In a city life, too busy in the morning, skip breakfast, start with a coffee go to work, go with the kids, do whatever. You might have a bar for lunch or something else. And then it's like this huge meal at dinner. Yeah. And maybe they forgot to drink their water all day because they were so busy. So then 
drink that water at the end of the day. <laughs> so it's just, it well, is, it's so backwards. That's absolutely right. And to lose weight, you've got to prevent hunger. And to prevent hunger, you've got to eat a nice size breakfast, a nice size lunch, then you won't have that evening appetite. And what some people do is they'll do a bit of prep on the weekend. You know, they'll do a bit of cooking and freeze little bits. And I say to people, think about it the night before. What are you going to eat tomorrow? Do I have to put some beans on to soak? Do I have to put some millet in a crock pot overnight or a slow cooker? So it's just a little bit of prep. It doesn't take long. But that little bit of prep can make a huge difference. How do you feel about intermittent fasting? I think the intermittent fasting is excellent. Mm -hmm. They call it time-restricted eating now, which Mm -hmm. is eating twice in a 24-hour period, six hours apart. And we have found that is the best way. In fact, we do that at our health retreat. We have a breakfast at 7.30 and then we serve our guests a main meal at 1.30. And at night we just serve a thin soup at night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we find the diabetics go well on that. People are getting great weight loss on that. We find that the heart beats better because, you know, when you go to bed with a huge meal, that actually puts a load on the heart. And of course, that's number one killer in the world today is heart disease. So that time-restricted eating has benefits in many ways. And they're also finding that it's helping with mental issues as well. Yeah. I've done lots of research on fasting personally and physically, but I think the time restricted is a really important way to view it because individuals typically with intermittent fasting and they can get great results. They can feel so much energy, but typically they're fasting through breakfast and eating at like one or 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And so, you know, they still feel great, but they're kind of missing that window. So I think it can be more beneficial to view it in that way of just restricting and kind of almost flipping. <laughs> flipping yeah, it, is, it is flipping it. One girl I was talking to tried it and she said, I'm fainting by 10 o'clock. She said, I can't wait till one. And she said, and I'm so hungry at night, I eat too much and then I can't sleep well. So it's yes. actually flipping that around. And to be able to do that, there's usually necessary for a little bit of prep in the afternoon or evening to make the morning a bit easier. Yeah, that's key. I love that. And it's also better for hormone regulation too, to not. It is. And insulin utilization, it certainly helps with that as well. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So I don't remember what point we were on, but. (laughs) Oh, we're we're up to sleep. (laughs) We're up to sleep. You know, we find that A lot of people are struggling with this one. So we advocate, look well to your bedroom, get the technology out, sleep in natural fiber. Mm -hmm. So my daughter just bought me the most beautiful linen nighty. I look like I'm out of the little house on the prairie in it. (laughs) It is so beautiful to sleep in, you know, linen sheets, cotton sheets, cotton blankets, you know, I'm in the, Hyatt, I'm in a hotel at the moment, and I was so happy to see a thin feather quilt and a cotton blanket. Yes, those polyester blankets, people don't realize it. They do cause a bit of electricity and that they actually have a negative charge and opposites attract. So that negative charge 
attracts even more chemicals onto it because chemicals have the positive charge. So get those fabrics that have been created in a chemical laboratory away from the body. That's your polyester, nylons, and acrylics. Mm-hmm. See, one lady said to me, my little girl, you know, we're organic and yet she's developing very early. I said, have a look at the clothes she's wearing. And she said, oh, dear, I never thought of that. You know, that her pajamas, the especially the underwear. See, men have cotton underpants, cotton undershirts, cotton shirts, cotton jeans, <laughs> whereas the ladies, the ladies with the pretty things, the ladies that don't want to iron, that polyester you don't have to iron. Well, you go over to viscose and rayon, which are made out of wood pulp, you really don't have to iron those either. Yeah. So so it was tough, but I'm slowly transitioning all of my <laughs> wardrobes to cotton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've yep. done the intimate part for a while now. I knew that. But, you know, it's hard, especially like workout clothes and, you know, none of oh, those yeah. are made of cotton and you sweat in those. No. And so more of that sweat is getting more of those chemicals into your body. So, I mean, it, right. it does take a commitment for sure, but you can slowly transition those clothes and sheets and 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 it's a huge benefit you know once the people transition and again it's mostly the ladies yeah and of course silk underwear and silk nighties are wonderful if you can afford them but a great option is bamboo the brand name booty b-o-o-d-y they have a great range of exercise clothes and it looks like polyester but when you wear it it's not sticky, it breathes. The viscose is bamboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the one that I found, it's called Pact, P-A-C-T, and they use oh, yeah. like all organic cotton as well too. So they have several workout clothes and stuff as well. But I'll look into the one that you mentioned because I have some bamboo yeah, stuff as yeah, well. Yeah. Well, it's about 5% elastine, and we've got to have a bit of elastine so it's not all baggy. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't look like um, So it's actually making your bedroom conducive to a good night's sleep. You know, natural fiber in the bedding, the technology out of the room. And also what you're looking at in the last hour before you go to bed. If it's a movie that's violent or busy, you know, or a game or whatever. Yeah. You've really got to slow your body and your brain down in that last hour and a half before you go to bed. Yes. So all of this makes a big difference. If you eat at night, ideally a bowl of soup or a smoothie, something very light, and this all helps. Now, one of the reasons people can't sleep is because of the chat room, and I've got this chat room where I'm going to solve every single problem in the whole world. (laughs) So it's getting out of that chat room. (laughs) it's getting out of the chat room and the old saying is count sheep jumping over fence you know count from a hundred backwards one lady said she just pictures someone in her life from her childhood who was very close to her or you know picture something that brings you joy or someone that is very special to you and the other is singing little hymns or humming tunes in your mind or saying poetry, I guess not a lot of people memorize poetry. I love memorizing the Bible, and I've got a lot of bits and pieces in my mind, so that's what I'll do to get out of the chat room. 
I'll go over some of the things I've memorized. So it's just acknowledging the chat room. I think we all have a chat room. Mm-hmm. And it's just getting out of there because that's something that will keep you awake. And if you get annoyed with the fact that you can't sleep, you will never sleep. Right. And the Bible says in First Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. So when you're lying there, you say, thank you, Father in heaven, I can't sleep. Now I can talk to you. <laughs> yes, I was just going to say bit. gratitude is a big one for me, you know, at the yeah. end of the day too. So, you know, repeating the promises of God and whatnot yeah. as well, but it's also just going through your day and having oh, yeah, gratitude yeah. and what happened, what was good, you know, and just recognizing that you've done everything you can possibly do and now that's God true. gets to work <laughs> that's true it's counting the roses in the rose bushes and not the thorns <laughs> yes yes no, that, perfect that, analogy <laughs> that can make it, that can make a big difference i read a fascinating book it was called why we sleep by dr matthew walker and he's a british neurologist and he shows without any doubt that we need eight hours a night. Now, when mm-hmm. I read this, I trained myself back into eight hours. You see, six hours you feel okay, but if you only have six hours, all the processes that God designed to happen in the night to revive, recharge, and boost us, they can't be fully played out. So I say to people, you've got a choice, eight to four, probably my favorites, nine to five, or at a stretch in the summer, it could be 10 to 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and training I think it's also restorative sleep because, I mean, people can say they're sleeping for, you know, seven, eight hours, but they're not refreshed, they're not restored. So there's a difference of mm-hmm. that too. But, yeah, the time is also very important. Yeah, because our body clock is certainly in sync with light and dark signals, with the moons, mm-hmm. the tides. So. Yeah, it's night. As a nurse, I used to sleep all day and work all night, and I never felt very good because it's the night time that God designed we sleep. Yeah, night shift workers are very hard to regulate. <laughs> that is true. That is so true. tough. I feel for that. I'm thankful for them, but it is tough for sure. So they just have to find some way to help regulate their system. Well, that's true. There are ways that you can encourage it, but I do say to people, Someone's got to do night duty. We recognize that. But, you know, if we spread it out so everyone only has a couple of nights a week. Yes. It can help. Yes, absolutely. And the next one, so we've done SUS, sunshine, use of water and sleep, and the next one is T. So right in the middle of these laws of health is trusting God. And trusting God takes in all the emotional, the spiritual, and the mental aspects of disease. It's in Isaiah 26, verse 3, the Bible says that God will keep him in perfect peace when his mind is stayed upon God because he trusts in God. And we, more than we think, we choose what our mind is stayed upon. So we can stay on the roses or the thorns. I think everyone's been challenged with this. That's what I had to do when I received the ban. I had to concentrate on the roses and have a look where God was taking me now and trusting that my heavenly father knows the best for me, trusting that he has a plan and a road for us, and he certainly does. 
Yes. In fact, the Bible says that he'll give us perfect peace when we trust him. So it's a choice. So trusting in God, trusting that he gave us a body that can heal, a mind that can heal. The next law is A, abstain. There are some things that must stop if you are looking for optimum performance out of the body. And so the stimulants must cease because that stimulating effect they give, it's not from the food we eat, it's from our adrenal glands. It's one of the number one causes of adrenal exhaustion is people living on the stimulants. To have a cup of coffee to give you energy is like taking out a loan to pay off your loan. You know, there's a deficit there. <laughs> Eventually, there's a deficit. Eventually, the body says, i got nothing left. The bank account's empty. Yeah. And I should have energy. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's so interesting. Like now there's all of these companies and products that come out with like coffee with all of these adaptogenic properties in it <laughs> to try and negate the effects of the coffee. And I'm like, well, it may be better to not spike some things, but you're still, you know, relying on that to get something accomplished. So I don't know how you feel about well, those, but there's lots of those now on the market. Oh, yes. They're trying everything. One young man said to me, I've just found something more effective than coffee to get me going in the morning. I said, what's that? He said, I finished my hot shower with cold. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is that that wakes you up? It does. Yeah. Cold showers, cold plunging. It definitely gets you going. Yeah. So people say to me, well, what can I do to get myself going in the morning? I say, well, why do you need to get yourself going? Is it because there's too much technology around your bed? Is it because you ate too late? Is it because mm. your bedroom window's not open? Is it because you had too much coffee yesterday? Because when I wake up in the morning, I feel great. Yeah. But then again, I do everything that one must do to be able to feel great. Well, it's a proverb in Ecclesiastes 5.12. It says, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. So when we're physically exhausted, we sleep very well and we're revived. Many people today, because they don't exercise, they don't get physically yeah. tired and, and so they don't sleep that well. And so they wake in the morning and they reach for something that will give them a lift. But it's such a deception, the lift yeah. that it gives. It's not a true lift. And the Australian Health Department of they said this, oh, 20 years ago now, that there's no safe dose of alcohol. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a neurotoxin, kills the brain cells, as does mercury. So the mercury fillings in the teeth and many fish today have mercury. So chemicals, we've got to get the chemicals out of our lives, out of our clothes, out of our washing detergents. You know, we are Everywhere. awash. With, yeah. So these are some of the things that have to be eliminated to be able to get optimum performance out of the body. And the next one is I, which is inhale. In Genesis 2 verse 7, the Bible says that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living soul. Look at that, not into his mouth. Mm. Mouth is for talking and singing and whistling and eating, but nose is for breathing. And nose purifies the air, warms the air, humidifies the air. Mouth does not do that. So it's time to very politely close our mouths. <laughs> That's another reason why people don't sleep well too, is they are mouth breathers. That's fine. Yeah. 
That's mm-hmm. right, there are mouth breathers. And so there's a simple little thing that one can do to encourage nose breathing, and that is to tape their mouth up. Yep. Now, they don't have to put the tape over like this, but just a little bit from underneath the nose to the chin. And so you don't get alarmed in the middle of the night. You can wear it for an hour every day for a week. Then a pathway will be made in your brain that there's a little bit of tape there, and then you try sleeping with it overnight. In fact, snoring, sleep apnea, all of those nighttime problems would just about disappear if people would start nose breathing. Yeah, I agree. And nose breathing means we've got more oxygen at the cellular level and more oxygen at the cellular level means more energy coming out of that cell. So the N for sustain is nutrition. And many people today are overloading themselves on the carbs, missing out on the fibers, the proteins and the good fats. And they're the three essential food groups, fiber, because it slowly releases the glucose and contains a lot of concentration of the minerals protein because our cells are made from built up from amino acids which is from the protein we eat as a plant-based lady my proteins come from beans legumes Mm -hmm. and nuts and seeds in fact after every meal i always have eight to ten nuts and that's a very delightful thing to do (laughs) that's my dessert is some nuts or a great sauce what are your favorite nuts Well, this morning I had almonds, and at lunchtime today I had pecans, or you call them pecans. I certainly love macadamias, but they're a bit expensive outside Australia. (laughs) And cashews are another nice one. I guess I like them all. (laughs) (laughs) It is hard to pick, yes. (laughs) Yeah, it is hard to pick. Mm -hmm. And the walnuts for the brain function. So nutrition, many people that are so quick and so fast, they reach for the fast food and that results in a high-carbohydrate diet. And a high-carbohydrate diet is often deficient in the essentials, fiber, protein, and fat. It's fiber, protein, and fat, especially the protein in the fat that gives the feeling of satiation or satisfaction, Yeah, which means you don't need to eat. You can actually go to the time-restricted eating because you're not hungry because you're having generous amounts of protein and good fats you know our brain's the fattiest organ in the body this fat phobia that has overtaken the planet for the last 40 years it's unsustainable because it's not nutritionally sound historically people have always eaten some sort of fat yeah and i think an awareness is just starting to happen that fat is not our enemy Now, there are dangerous fats, and they are the altered fats. There's your margarines, that's your heated oils, your heat-extracted oils. They are your altered fats that can be damaging to the body. Yep. It's a very concentrated food. (laughs) But I also know that, you know, and I know you know this, it's not just fast food, but it's also just all of these processed and packaged things because, you know, even in the health world, there's you know, so many now like gluten-free products. And if you read the labels, they're just as bad. <laughs> so well, it is, the, yeah, yeah, you have to like, right. you just have to get really good number one at reading labels, but also getting away so much from so much like easy process. Yeah. It's a matter of deciphering what it is and what it all means. And 
I think the fast food companies know that we're busy and they have these words, you know, like pure and healthy. I say people, be aware of those two words. Yes, or natural. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, natural chemicals. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like MSG's given the name. It's got the name of natural in it. It's scary stuff. Yeah, they do that a lot, especially with all those artificial sweeteners. They're toxic stuff, so you have to oh, they, get they are toxic. A good guide is if it comes from the hand of the creator, you know, as, as yep. uh, in its natural state as possible. I agree with you there. <laughs> so what are we up to now? Well, we've done sustain. Now we've got the me. So M is moderation. Mm -hmm. So moderation takes into consideration that all good things should be done in moderation and also moderation in eating. And that brings us again to the time-restricted eating. Use your time moderately. Also, the body loves routine. It really loves doing the same things at the same time every day. I learned this when I had my children. I quickly learned that children are very happy when there's a routine, when there's guidelines. And believe it or not, our whole body is. If you do the same things at the same time every day, you'll evacuate at the same time every day. And that's very convenient to know when that's going to happen. You don't want it happen in the middle of a plane trip or the middle of the bus. And that's where moderation comes into it. It's even good food can turn to poison if too much is put into the stomach. Yes, or too much obsession over it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is exercise called the forgotten remedy. <laughs> I say to people, we're training for something more important than the Olympic Games. It's called life. I want to enjoy my latter years. And mm -hmm. to enjoy my latter years, I must look after my body. And God designed that this body be in daily activity, and that activity is its preserving power. That's your preservative. Yeah. There's uh, exercise. When I meet people that are looking good in their latter years, I know that they exercise. Right. Yeah, Because it's really the only way to do it. And if you want more energy, exercise. Because when you exercise, you breathe deeper, you take in more air. That means more oxygen at the cellular level. And when that cell has adequate oxygen, it'll give 18 times more energy compared to the cell that doesn't have oxygen. Mm -hmm. What are some of your favorite ways to exercise in like times? Are you more like you work out in the morning or you work out in the evening? With your well, I, I like the morning because every the evening I'm too tired. <laughs> I yeah. just want to sit down, lie down. I just want to relax. And also I find that if you do it in the morning, you reap the benefits all day long. So you reap the benefits physically, yes, mentally, spiritually, mm -hmm. uh, emotionally. It's a great reward to just put that little bit of time in. The rewards far exceed the effort put into it, is what I find. And I read this in an old book. It said, in a short time, you will so realize the benefits of pure air and exercise, you wouldn't live without these blessings. And I memorized it because I thought that's exactly what I have found. Yeah, I tell people, I always say, unfortunately, fortunately, because God used it as he does with everything. But I was very ill, very young in my life. And, you know, movement for several years was virtually taken away. You know, I wasn't able to move. And so when I tell like family and friends and patients now, a lot of the time, like exercise is such a gift, you know, 
I don't do it to like look a certain way now. It's just more, wow, I have the capacity and ability to do that. And yes, it's good for me as well. But, you know, so many people view it as a chore, like I have to do this. And it's like really when something's taken away from you, you're unable to do that. It is such a gift when you flip that and you turn it and you're just like, wow, you know, I get to do this and I get to move my body and what a blessing it is. And so I try to encourage, especially my real physically ill patients to begin to switch that way. It does change your mindset as well. I mean, you don't have to go lift 500 pounds, but, you know, do things that you enjoy and it doesn't have to be a chore you view it as, you know, a blessing. You start where you are. Yeah. And it is fun being in a body that works. Yeah. So when I was in Colorado a couple of months ago, we went to the Rocky Mountain National Park and mm-hmm. there was a 20-year-old and a 25-year-old with me, the age of my grandchildren, and we walked around Bear Lake and I thought, that was good, let's keep going. And we went up to Emerald Lake. That is quite a climb, quite yes. a climb. Yes. You get to see amazing things when you live in a body that works, and it's fun living in a body that works. But there's another aspect of it, and that is doing things with young people. Yeah, It's great because in the older mind, there's so much to share, but they're not going to come and sit next to you in an old folks' home, but you'll be able to talk to them if you climb mountains with them. Wow. Yeah, that's good. And also not neglecting those early years, because I think there's also so much of that mindset, which is starting to shift. But, you know, if you don't feel anything when you're young, you just continue doing what you're doing until something breaks down, and then they're forced to deal with themselves. Like, well, why don't we just not, not get there and begin teaching them like you've done with your family? Of Yeah this is a lifestyle, this is a thing. And it's not, you know, this is what happens when you're older. And this is what you focus on when you're older. It's no, you, you want to not be restricted yeah. to what you can do forever. So I love that. That's right. I remember I was pushing my little granddaughter around in the stroller waiting for my daughter to come out of work. We went to a park and we saw a skateboard track. Oh, I just love going to the skateboard tracks. They are so clever. And I just sat there watching and watching and smiling. Do you know, one by one, they came and sat near me. They started to talk to me. And I just say, wow, how long have you been doing this? And I tell you what, they all started to do it in front of me. These are young kids. These are kids in their early teens, their adolescence. And I come to the conclusion we need more grey-haired people in the skateboard tracks. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, everywhere. Oh, yeah, there's so much you can do. And, you know, it's a pity. Let's get them out of the aged care facilities and over to the skateboard tracks. (laughs) But to be able to do that, we've got to give, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to end up there. And yet many do. But if we live the way they live, we will be there. We've got to start exercising now, start eating well now, start you know, and the mind, learning new things every day, learning new things. And the more you exercise, the clearer the mind comes. So these sustain me principles, it's almost mm-hmm. as if they all feed each other. They're all linked in a way that 
you almost can't separate them. Yeah, you know what? A couple of my patients told me that in Medicare range, it really just fueled me. But they said that for Medicare legally, as a Medicare physician in Western medicine, they are legally bound if the cholesterol of a elderly person is below, I think it was 100, that they are legally bound to give those patients or recommend cholesterol-lowering medications. So I was just like, what? (laughs) This is infuriating because we know, as you said prior, and I know through research and all this stuff, that fat is so vital. And so a lot of our elderly as well are just blindly taking things that their doctor legally is required to do. And of course, they don't have energy and whatnot to even live to the fullest of their life. So if anyone's listening that is of that range as well, you know, stop those things. Stop That's those right. things and, and you can get back to it, but it's just you got to know remember an important point is that I am the master of my destiny. Yeah. I am the one that chooses what I do or what I don't do. So that doctor is legally bound yeah. to advise, but it is me that says, no, thank you. Yes. And it is true that if the cholesterol goes under 150, the brain doesn't work well. So this is a big contributing factor to Alzheimer's. A nutritionist told me this that graduated from nutrition school 40 years ago. She said we were told that 300 was perfectly fine. And only two weeks ago, a pathologist said to me, she was in her 70s, so she said back 40 years ago, 350 was perfectly fine. Yeah. And yet if someone is 220 today, they're told that that's very dangerous. People say to me, do you know what your cholesterol levels are? I say, no, (laughs) I've never had a test that I don't plan to. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well, Barbara, this has been so amazing and you gave us so much information today and we're so grateful for you and all that you do. Do you have any last words to leave our guests today? I do. My last word is a little bit similar to what I was just saying, that God's government is a government of freedom. And freedom is based on free choice. So no matter who says to you, you got to do this, your answer is thank you so much for your advice. I'm going to seriously consider this. Because the fact is I am the master of my destiny. I am the one that chooses what goes in and what doesn't. And the front part of the brain where we make our decisions is where reason, intellect and judgment is. And when you understand that, you realize that every decision we make, it should be made according to reason, intellect, and judgment. So please, make informed choices. Find out what is in this. Find out what it does to you. And if your gut feeling is no, never go against your conscience. Never go against your common sense. But trust your body. Trust your mind. And trust that gut feeling because we each are the master of our destiny. Amen and amen. I can't thank you enough for coming on today, especially with your insanely busy schedule. May God continue to bless you, Barbara, and protect you. And thank you for continuing to shine him in all that you do. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure you let somebody know what you learned today by liking and sharing this video. And we will catch you all on the next episode.